0: listening to Footprints on Our Hearts, a podcast about baby loss, legacy and learning to live again with me, Alison Ingleby. The baby loss community is one that no one wants to join but together we can break the silence around baby loss and help each other navigate the rocky road that is grief because all children leave footprints on our hearts. and welcome to episode 11 of Footprints on Our Hearts. A bit of a different episode this week from our normally normal weekly interviews. I felt that while I wanted to carry on things as normal in terms of the podcast, I couldn't just forget about the fact that we have this big coronavirus pandemic going on And the impact that that is having on those of us who belong to the baby loss community. So this is going to be a solo show, the first solo show I've done. Um, uh, So you're just going to have me talking at you, I'm afraid, (laughs) Um, for the next half hour or so but this episode isn't just about me it's primarily about you guys and i've been asking other people about their experiences how they're finding this time i've also been spending quite a lot of hours actually reading about how other bereaved parents are feeling right now both recently bereaved parents um parents who perhaps lost their children you know a few years ago And people who are currently pregnant after loss. So, just to get an idea really of how people are feeling, and most importantly, how everyone is staying sane. So, this episode is a bit of a mixture of experiences, what people are feeling. Um, I don't. I've got a few quotes, direct quotes, but a lot of the time it's more sort of general comments and and feedback that I've gathered from people, um, and also some tips and strategies to maybe help you through this difficult time. The whole episode will be available as a transcript on the website, um, and that will include all the links to some of the organisations, resources, et cetera, that I mentioned in the podcast. So to visit that, you can go to the website, Footprints on Our Hearts slash episodes. So I've divided this episode into five segments. Um, just to give it a bit of structure (laughs) and to give myself a little break in between recording sections. So we start off talking a bit generally about grief, anxiety and COVID-19, then move on to a couple of specific aspects of grief. So what happens when you can't visit your baby's resting place or grave, celebrating birthdays and other special occasions at this time, Support if you have recently joined this club, lost a baby, and then finally, pregnancy after loss during a pandemic. And I've put pregnancy after loss at the end quite deliberately, as I know that some of you may want to skip this part. And I will give you a warning before we move on to that segment so you can stop your podcast player um, if that's something you don't want to listen to. If you find this episode useful, please do share it with others. Um, And as always, I'd welcome any feedback, particularly as this is my first solo show. (laughs) I'd also love to hear how you're finding life and trying to adjust to our new normal. Um, You can email me at allison at footprintsonourhearts.com or connect with me on Instagram at Footprints on Our Hearts or Twitter at Skies Footprints. Right let's get started. (music) Grief and anxiety in the time of coronavirus. Where to start? In the past few weeks, our world has been turned upside down. But for most of you listening, that will have happened before. Because that's what happens when your baby dies. Your whole world changes overnight. The difference is that this time, it's not just your world that's been altered forever. It's everyone else's as well. I'm sure most of you are experiencing some form of heightened anxiety and grief around this time. You might be worried about someone you love getting COVID-19. You might have had your work or income affected, or you're anxious about the implications of some of the changes we're seeing in our society, you know, perhaps particularly around some of the lockdown regulations, police powers increasing, what this means in terms of the future. Um, I'm a dystopian author, so (laughs) definitely all these kind of political changes are very fascinating. For some of you who are trying to conceive at the moment, you may have had fertility treatment cancelled, giving you a long anxious wait until you can start trying to conceive again. Or you may feel that you just have to put those plans on hold because you don't want to conceive a baby at this moment in time when there's so much other pressure on medical services. And that can be really hard, particularly if you know you want to try for your rainbow baby and for many people, that is one thing that they can have control over moving forward from a loss and having that put on hold indefinitely is almost harder than having a specific end date. You know, if we got told, okay, this is going to last for two months. And after that, we can flip a switch and life will go back to normal. At least then you know what you're aiming for. You kind of, and this might just be me because I'm quite goal driven, but you have a target date at the end and you can plan for that and you can have that knowledge and that certainty inside that at some point your life will return to normal whereas at the moment we're in this really difficult situation where things are changing on a daily weekly basis we don't know how long the current um, isolation or you know social distancing period is going to go on for and we don't know even when that lifts how long the world will take to get back to normal, or what will probably happen is creating this this new normal. You know, we might have another period of social distancing later on in the year, and that's really, really unsettling. Having that uncertain uncertainty hanging over us all at the moment, and while many people, you know, our friends and family might have similar general anxieties, I feel that our anxieties, those for those of us who've lost children, are likely to be heightened because we know that we're living proof that the worst sometimes does happen. Lightning, unfortunately, can strike twice. And even if the odds of you being affected by coronavirus are very small, we've all been on the wrong side of those statistics before and it's hard to manage feelings of anxiety at the best of times let alone when many of your usual coping strategies may not be an option and i certainly have struggled with the current restrictions on spending time outdoors and not traveling to go and exercise or visit places you know my biggest strategy for coping with anxiety is to go out into the mountains or to go to beautiful beaches and places right into really wild places for a day or a weekend. And that is really the only thing that really helps me switch off from the world um, and gives my brain that time to rest and recuperate. And we are very lucky in that You know, we have some beautiful walks from our doorstep and we have lots of nature that we can get out into, but it's not the same. Um, And I found that really difficult over the past few weeks and, and going forward. But I do feel that we have to be proactive in trying to help ourselves to manage anxiety and to think positively while accepting that all these feelings are natural and valid and just part of what is happening at the moment we're not in a normal time so we can't expect to function normally as we might want to and this thinking positively isn't it isn't about being over the top positive or or even putting on a brave face it's about finding ways of making each day a little better and brighter for each of us then there's grief Personally, I've definitely felt like my grief over Sky's death has been worse in the past few weeks. I don't know if this is partly just a natural dip. Uh, I think we all know that grief is a bit of a roller coaster. It comes and goes. But I do think that at least part of it is linked to the uncertainty, the talk about death and loss um, and you know, all this, the scary things, stories that are going around. And for a while after Sky first died, either my husband or I would wake up in the early hours of the morning, usually around 3am, overwhelmed by grief. And, you know, we'd just sob into pillows for for an hour or two and maybe eventually doze off. And that hasn't happened for me for... I'd say probably many months, actually, but I was hit again by the other week, that 4am wake-up call, and I know others have said they felt the same, that whether their loss is recent or happened many years ago, their grief has been heightened by the current pandemic. I think there's also something about being at home and having limited distractions from grief and anxiety. Um Not that grieving is a bad thing, you do need to grieve and it's good to give yourself a space to do that, but sometimes you also need to step away to think about other things and to allow yourself to be happy and it's hard to do that when your mind is a constant whirl of bad news stories, traumatic memories, plus that little voice in your head which repeatedly tells you all the things that you should be worried about. And even if you're busy looking after other children or cleaning the house for the third time this week your mind can still wander getting stuck on those negative thought loops. And this is definitely something that I struggle with in, and I've been looking at ways to manage. And I will link to a couple of resources I've had recommended to me in the show notes. I also find in addition to getting outside and making the most of our you know, our limited exercise time that we are allowed um, and we are very lucky to, to still be allowed that I think I know from people in other parts of the world, particularly in China, about some of the very stringent quarantine regimes they've been under, where they've been literally unable to leave their homes for months at a time. And I do feel very lucky that we can still go out while obviously observing social distancing guidelines. So, yeah, to get back to so guided meditation. I'm I, you know, I'm not really a meditation person. I'm going to admit that. I'm not very practiced at it. And, you know, it's just one of those things I find hard to set aside the time to do every day. And I appreciate that it works for some people, but I also believe that it doesn't work for everyone. That said, I do find that just taking 10 minutes out of my day just to have that kind of nice soothing voice in the background can help calm me down a bit and just switch my thoughts off that kind of train of processing and going over perhaps some of those more traumatic memories, going over some of the anxieties and and worries about what's going on at the moment and just allow me to give me my brain a bit of space i think to to reflect and change track onto something else another thing that several people mentioned that they feel at the moment is that other people are forgetting about them or their babies as they're so wrapped up in their own problems and i get this i understand why this is you know i've got a lot of friends who are currently juggling homeschooling their kids, trying to work at home in less than ideal conditions and of course the never-ending hunt for toilet paper and pasta but it still hurts and that doesn't stop it from hurting when no one asks how you're feeling, no one thinks to mention your baby or no one sends you a message on Mother's Day to acknowledge the fact that you are a mother too. And I don't feel like there's a huge amount that we can do about that other than to sit with those feelings to accept that it's normal for us to feel maybe a bit angry about that, to feel that sense of loss more acutely, that sense that the world is going on and progressing around us and forgetting about us and what we've been through and our children. I do think that we need to be perhaps a bit easier on other people at this time because it is a difficult time for people but that's not to say that you should stop talking about your feelings about your children your babies and how you're struggling at the moment so I think definitely it's good to acknowledge those feelings and to recognize that they're valid and to perhaps maybe talk to those who you're close to about how you're feeling and how much you might appreciate them acknowledging the extra challenges that baby loss brings at a time like this. On the other hand, there is a flip side to grief. And as hard as it is, quite a few people have talked about how grief has helped them deal with the current coronavirus crisis. And my guest on next week's podcast, Haley, talked about this when I interviewed her this week, um, and I'll give you a direct quote from what she said. I used to be a control freak, but now I've learned to let go and accept that there are some things I can't control. It's taught me not to worry too much about things you can't control and be grateful for what you have now. And there's a lot of truth in this, and she's not the only one to have said that grief has made her a stronger person. And when I was reflecting on some of these comments, it made me realise just how many parallels there are between the grief of losing a baby and the grief that many people who haven't experienced this kind of loss are feeling right now. I honestly believe that losing a baby is one of the most isolating experiences you can go through, even when you have supportive friends and family, unless they've experienced it themselves, they don't really understand what it's like. And that's partly because grief is unique for everyone. It truly is a journey that you have to walk alone. And while that's incredibly hard and lonely, you learn how to deal with it. You learn how to keep walking despite the weight on your shoulders dragging you down. You learn how to cope with the fear, anxiety, confusion and uncertainty that is your life after loss. And eventually you figure out a new normal And that's actually what a lot of people have been going through over the past couple of weeks. They've been figuring out their own new normal, finding new routines and coping mechanisms to get through each day and each week, whether it's Skyping friends rather than meeting them for lunch, logging onto a yoga class on Zoom or comfort baking. And yes, I am definitely guilty of that last one. There has been a lot of comfort baking in this house in the past few weeks. We're all feeling our way through these changing times. But unlike most people, we've been there before in a much worse situation and we've survived. We know it'll be tough, but we also know that we'll come through the other side. So in some ways, going into this crisis and going through this crisis, we're some of the strongest people out there. So... Here are some tips if you are struggling with grief and anxiety, and I'm pretty sure we all are at some point on some days during this pandemic period of what you can do. So number one, readjust your expectations for the coming weeks. This is a really hard one, particularly if you're a planner and you've set out all these plans for the summer, you know, summer holidays, breaks, what you're planning to do with the weekends. You have a nice routine during the week, setting aside all of that and accepting that's not going to happen, or at least some of it won't happen, can be really hard. But it then gives you the space to create that sort of new routine, new normal. Remind yourself why we're doing this, why we're staying at home. And importantly, this isn't life as normal. So don't expect yourself to be able to carry on as normal. Give yourself the time and space to grieve if you need it. That's really important. You know, grief, bottling up grief, as I've heard from several of my previous um, male guests, particularly the male guests, um, is is not a good strategy in the long term. So it is really important if you're feeling a heightened sense of grief to, to give yourself the time and space for that. But also look for joy, And look for ways that you can be happy, whatever your situation. And even though that feels really, really hard some days, I'm not underestimating that. um, Some days it feels impossible. But on the days you can, look for happiness and look for joy. If you're able to um, and you're not having to, you're not in one of those categories where you're having to shield yourself, get out for some fresh air and exercise, even if it's just in the garden. Um, I can pretty much guarantee it'll make you feel better. <laughs> Another thing that I found really important is restricting how much I look at the news. Um, and certainly in the first week or two when things were changing on a day to day basis um, and things were really, really intense, um, I was looking at the news a lot and that was definitely definitely heightening my feelings of anxiety. So I've taken to rationing myself now to perhaps checking the headlines twice a day at lunch and, and in the evening. So can keep up with the main things of what's going on, um, but without having that kind of overwhelming sense of of the world kind of closing in. Um, also taking a day or at least a day a week off your phone um, and away from the news and social media, um, I found generally is a really positive thing to do. Join online events and connect with people um, it's not the same as seeing people in person, but actually I found that seeing people on the other side of a screen is definitely one step up from a phone call. Um, and I have had to get over my natural dislike of telephone calls and video calls in the past few weeks. Um, but it's good to talk to others and it's even better to be able to see them. Um, pretty much everyone, I think, has now heard of Zoom. I have heard a few jokes on the fact that they're sponsoring the pandemic, <laughs> And there are plenty of yoga classes, quizzes, even silent discos being held online. Just because there's a pandemic on doesn't mean you can't party. So there are lots of things you can join in. And I think making an effort to do that has definitely helped me feel better and given a bit more of a sense of normality to my life. I've also been trying to write down three things I'm grateful for before bed. Um, I find this helps me mentally reset at the end of each day and also gives me a bit of positive thought before going to sleep, as well as helping me realise what good there is in my life at the moment, as well as the challenges. And finally, lean on your virtual support community. Lots of us are struggling right now, so let's support each other, and don't be afraid to reach out for help if you need it. Graves and special places. One of the hardest things at the moment for many bereaved parents is not being able to visit their child's grave or other memorial place. For many people, visiting requires a drive, which is obviously against the current social distancing guidelines. And in addition, some smaller memorial gardens have closed. Henry's mum was one of many who've mentioned this, and she said that actually the feeling of loss was unexpected, as they don't always visit him that often. But I completely get this. Even if you don't do something every week or even every month, having that option taken away from you is so different to having a choice as to when and where you go to remember your baby. We had sky cremated, so we don't have a grave to visit, but I have sometimes gone down to the cemetery when I've been feeling sad and like I want to be closer to her and walked around the graves and looked at the memorial plaques and thought about the other babies who are buried there and there have been a couple of times over the past few weeks when I'd have liked to have driven down, but obviously can't. If you do have a rigid ritual of visiting your baby every week, then this can be especially difficult. And I'm going to read out a quote from Florence's mum, as I think she describes this feeling perfectly. We can no longer visit our daughter's grave as the natural burial ground where she's buried has been closed, This news really upset me and made me realise how much I've come to rely on the ritual of visiting her every week. Especially since our new baby came along, Sundays have been Florence's time and I found the physical act of going somewhere special to her and tending her grave very comforting. It's one of the few things we can still do for her and to have that taken away is really hard. We decided to plant a little area in our own garden for Florence, so hopefully that will be an alternative way to honour her memory until we can go back to visit her at the woodland. I love how they found an alternative way of honouring Florence's memory while they can't visit their grave. And creating peaceful places at home to remember your child was also the theme of this week's Baby Loss Hour. If you haven't come across Baby Loss Hour yet, it takes place on Twitter at 8pm UK time every Tuesday evening. It's led by Jess from Legacy of Leo and it's an opportunity to chat about different topics relating to baby loss. And I'll include a link to Jess's profile in the show notes or you can search the hashtag Baby Loss Hour on Twitter to bring up the latest posts. So there was quite a lot of discussion this week about the challenges of not being able to to visit these special places and how people are coping with that. Several people have small areas of their garden dedicated to their babies. And if you're worried about space in your garden or you don't have a garden, in many cases, this is just a simple single planter or a tub containing some herbs or flowers. We actually have a cherry tree for Sky and decided rather than planting it straight into the garden we planted it in a pot so we can take it with us if we ever move house um and you know I have stones and things which we put around there and it's a little memorial plaque for her there and it's a nice thing to have something to do and something to tend to at the moment and some place to really think about her if the thought of getting green-fingered sends your anxiety spiralling, <laughs> which definitely is the case for some people, then a better option might be to dedicate a small area in your home. I'm sure many of you like candles to remember your babies. And if this is an occasional thing you do, perhaps now is a good time to make it a bit more regular. I had a necklace made which contains some of Skye's ashes and her birthstone, which I wear when I'm missing her or want to feel closer to her and for those of you who are missing visiting your baby's special place um, I want to kind of wrap up part of this segment with a beautiful quote from one of the baby loss hour participants Um, and just a warning if I can get through this without getting teary I'll be doing quite well. Ultimately, what it comes down to, and what I know deep in my heart, is that our babies know how much we love them. No amount of time or space will ever break the bond. So wherever we are, there they'll be. See, I told you I was going to get teary. So tips if you can't visit your child's special place. I think part of it is accepting that you can't and won't be following your usual routines and rituals, but that that doesn't mean you're forgetting about your baby or that you love them any less. Try and create an alternative place in your home and garden when you can spend time with them and think about your child. Plant some flowers, light a candle each evening, or simply sit and talk about them. And hopefully that will help you still be able to feel close to your children at this really difficult time. Another thing that's really difficult at the moment is celebrating our baby's birthdays or other special occasions. I've seen quite a lot of birthday cakes popping up on my Instagram feed over the past few weeks, so I know there are a lot of parents having to deal with this right now. Whether you are planning to escape the country or your home for your child's birthday or planning a party with friends and family, likelihood is that your original plans have had to change. Sky's first birthday is coming up next month, so this isn't a milestone I've experienced yet, but I imagine it's a time when grief really comes to the surface and not being able to do what you planned feels even harder and makes that grief even harder to deal with than perhaps it would do otherwise. But as Sophie, my guest in episode seven puts it, different doesn't always have to mean worse. And I had to admit to being quite envious when I saw the gorgeous afternoon tea spread, complete with birthday cake that her and her husband put on to celebrate Cecil and Wilfred's first birthday earlier this week. Many other people have either bought or made birthday cakes for their children, and have found other ways to celebrate those occasions and think about their babies at home, even if that's just two of them, or perhaps they've had other family um, celebrating via video link via Zoom or Skype um, and having some time together. It's also Easter this weekend And while that may not be as significant as a birthday for many people, it's still still one of those big milestones in the year, a big family event that you celebrate, and really just another reminder of what we've lost, another occasion where our children should be here. You know, they might be lying around on a baby mat in the sun, or they might be going on an Easter egg hunt with their brothers or sisters or cousins or friends, You know, you might be, your normal Easter Sunday might be sat around a table at a large family dinner, having a roast um, and enjoying some family time with your extended family. And that sense of loss for those, that normality, those normal events that we want to celebrate can be really hard. And it may, you may think, oh, well, I shouldn't feel like this because in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad. And yes, perhaps, you know, compared to what some families are going through, what people in hospital are going through, objectively, it's not that bad, in inverted commas, but everyone's feelings are valid, and everyone is feeling a sense of loss and grief at the moment, and it's, that's perfectly fine, it's perfectly normal to feel that. So if you are having to deal with birthdays or special occasions in lockdown, you might find these tips useful. Grieve for what you can't do, but make the best of what you can, whether that's a picnic in the garden, a craft afternoon indoors, or just curling up on the sofa and lighting a candle. If you know someone who has a special date coming up, let them know that you're thinking of them and their child. And I think going back to what I I mentioned before, I think this is a way in which we can really support each other at the moment. And even I think just a simple text message, um, a picture perhaps of you lighting a candle in memory of their baby really makes you feel less alone and less like you're in isolation dealing with this. Um, Yeah, I think quite a few people have said that the messages of support they've had, particularly on birthdays, has really helped them get through that difficult time. And if you can't carry out your usual Easter traditions, well, perhaps now's a good time to start a new one. Perhaps an Easter egg hunt around the house is called for. Or if you don't have Easter egg hunts, I don't know, paper bunnies might work. (laughs) I would love to hear your ideas on that if you have any unusual ways of celebrating Easter. Losing a baby at any time is traumatic, but given everything that's going on in the world, it must be especially hard at the moment. If you're listening to this and you've recently lost your baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to join this club that none of us wanted to be part of. I'm sorry that you may not be able to give your baby the funeral you would like to. I'm sorry that you can't get hugs from your family and friends. I'm sorry that you can't attend support group meetings or sit with a counsellor or even go to your baby's grave. You may be sitting there feeling lost and lonely. You may wonder how you're supposed to survive this pain and whether you'll ever be happy again. You may wonder how everyone else is carrying on life around you when your world has stopped still. There's nothing that I or anyone else can say to ease this. But grief does change with time, even in these difficult times. Emma, my guest on episode five, describes it as being like in a really rough sea and being pulled under the waves. You're choking and suffocating and you don't know when you're going to come up for breath again. And it's horrible and scary. But over time, the sea calms and the grief is more like waves around your ankles. You know it's there at some level. You can feel it all the time because it doesn't go away. And occasionally a huge wave will knock you over and that wave is as big and the impact is as massive and it hurts as much as it did in the beginning. But this time now, you can get up quicker and you know that there will be more time and more light and more happiness before another wave comes. I don't know if that helps to reassure you at all but now if you're in those really dark days initial stages of grief it really is just a case of keeping going one day at a time and I remember I used to make to-do lists for myself just short ones with nothing too hard on them just something so I felt like I was doing something each day but many days I couldn't even take those few items off at the end of the day And what I didn't realise or let myself accept for a long time was that some days the only thing you have to do is get to the end of the day. That is enough. One of the hardest things for those suffering a bereavement at the moment is being isolated from support networks. When a simple hug can mean so much, having even that taken away from you is unbearable. And any number of video calls or phone calls don't really meet that need for human touch and contact. Some people who have had the option to go back to work have chosen to return perhaps sooner than they would have done otherwise, just to be able to get out of the house and see people. Others have found reading books on baby loss or listening to podcasts helpful, anything to feel like you're not alone. Tasks or activities that allow you to focus on something without having to think too much can also help. Some people go on a cleaning frenzy. I have to say that wasn't me. (laughs) Or do some craft activities, painting stones with your baby's name on them or a special symbol you can associate with them. If you have a garden, I can recommend digging as a great way to get a bit of anger out of your system and feel productive. And if all of this feels too much, if you're still recovering from your birth physically, jigsaws are a great way to occupy your mind without being too taxing. I never thought I would be on a podcast advocating the benefits of jigsaws, but they're really quite good. (laughs) And while no virtual support can replace face-to-face human contact, There are still many support networks out there, both formal and informal, and you may feel better for reaching out, whether that's to specialist organisations or just to other people in the baby loss community. When you begin to search for us, you quickly find that there are many more people in this club than you might think. What works for one person won't work for another, so a lot of it is about searching and finding out what support really works for you. If you want to connect with other people in the baby loss community, then the SANS online forum or social media are good places to start. You can search for the hashtags baby loss or baby loss community on Instagram. And if you're on Twitter, then you might like to join in the weekly baby loss hour I mentioned earlier on Tuesdays at 8pm. SANS has a free helpline 0808 164 3332 which is staffed 9.30 to 5.30 Monday to Friday, plus Tuesday to Thursday evenings. And they also have a phone app and online community plus information on their website. And that helpline isn't just for those who've recently suffered a loss. It's not just for parents. It's for anyone affected by the loss of a baby at, at any point. So whether you lost your child years ago, even decades ago, or whether you're a grandparent, Um, a brother or sister, a friend of someone who's been affected by baby loss, you can call that and speak to someone else who's been through similar experience. Simba, the charity which who are based in Scotland are running weekly support groups at the moment via Zoom and that does include a UK wide group and a men only support group and particularly when a lot of um, a lot of in-person support groups have cancelled you might find that useful and you can find out how to join these at their website www.symbacharity.org.uk I know that a lot of local SANS groups have also gone online not all of them but some and there may be other organizations in your local area who are having um, online support groups running weekly or fortnightly or monthly there are many charities who offer support to bereaved parents in different parts of the country, um, too many for me to list here. However, the website atalos.org has a comprehensive list that you can search to find bereavement support in your area. Um, and just as a reminder, all these links to these organizations' websites uh, will be in the show notes on the website. There are also a lot of more informal online events going on at the moment, and these are less support groups and more, perhaps, about giving yourself a bit of self care and spending time with other people who understand what you're going through. Um, and I'll just give a brief shout out to a couple of the ones I know about, and I'm sure there are many more than these going on. Um, do feel free if you know of one to post in the comments on on Instagram or reply to my message on Twitter um, about this podcast with details of other events. So Lucy from the Rainbow Running Club and Rainbow Yoga Club is hosting a weekly midweek mindfulness session on Wednesdays, along with some online workshops and weekend events focused on self-care. You can find out details on her Instagram account, which is um, underscore mother underscore of underscore one, or the website www.rainbowrunningclub.co.uk. If you've been affected by infertility, you may have come across it's Cat and Alice. Um, They do a lot of talking uh, um, and events to bring together people who've been affected by infertility. And they're hosting their second Big Night In tonight. Um, So it might be a bit late to join this, depending on when you're listening to the podcast. But if you um, follow them on Instagram or check out their website, then um, if they've got other events coming up, you'll be able to find out about them. So to wrap up this segment, my top tips for those of you, if you're newly bereaved, be kind to yourself. Number one, there's honestly nothing worse than what you're going through now. And while it may not be any comfort, This really deep, dark stage doesn't last forever. You just have to focus on getting through it. Please do reach out for support. As I mentioned above, there's lots of charities who are still offering bereavement support and counselling online. And if you just need someone to talk to, the SANS helpline is open. Join our community. I know it feels like you're alone in this, but there are lots of us who've been through similar experiences. So please do seek us out talk to us, feel free to to vent your anger, your grief, and hopefully seeing how other people are celebrating their babies, remembering them, living life after loss. It may give you a bit of hope that there is still light in the world and a bit of faith that you will get through this. And I hope that maybe some of the previous podcast episodes and some of the episodes coming up will also help you feel a bit less alone and maybe give you some ideas for what you can do to remember and celebrate the life of your child. And also don't be afraid to talk about your baby with other people If you listen to my other podcast episodes, you'll probably notice a common theme in that many people find some friends stick with you during this and some friends won't want to know. They'll just disappear. So find those friends who will stick with you. And uh, people are going through a lot at the moment. Everyone's going through a lot. But that doesn't mean that your baby should be forgotten, that you can't talk about them. Never feel guilty about talking about your child. You know, you'll always be their mother, father or grandmother, perhaps grandfather. And no one can take that away from you. And finally, find little things to do during the day to distract yourself and give you something to do and just get through it one day at a time. Okay, so. The next and final segment, I'll be talking about pregnancy after loss. So this, this is your warning. <laughs> if you don't want to hear about this, if you find pregnancy after loss triggering, perhaps because you're struggling to conceive, your loss is very recent um, and it's really painful to hear about people who are pregnant. Thank you for listening this far. And please stop the podcast now, put your phone or computer down and go and do something nice for yourself. And look after yourself. I originally thought this was um, gonna be a short 20 to 30 minute episode, <laughs> and I feel like I've been rambling on for quite a while now, but I hope that it's useful or some of what I'm saying um, you've found useful. So, pregnancy after loss. <sighs> Before I dive into this segment, um, I have a confession to make. It's not something that I was planning to share publicly so soon for many reasons, but I also feel like I need to be honest with you, and talking about pregnancy after loss while ignoring my own experience kind of feels a bit dishonest. So as you can probably guess by that statement, um, I am currently pregnant. 14 weeks when this goes out so it still feels very early days and very fragile Um, and while it's not a big secret it's also not something that I've been very public about and I'm sure you can understand that Um, I think pregnancy after loss feels fragile at the best of times and many people wait until later on in the pregnancy um to perhaps make public announcements. But as I said, I wanted to be honest with you. And I really felt that talking about this segment without kind of sharing some of my own experiences um, was, yeah, it would have would have been dishonest. Anyway, I do have a request if you're listening to this. Um, and particularly if you're one of my followers on Instagram, I would really appreciate it if you didn't mention this news in any public comments and particularly not on the post relating to this podcast. Um, I really don't underestimate how lucky we've been to get pregnant quickly and I know that many, many people are not that lucky and particularly people who are trying to conceive. um, At the moment it's, it's a really difficult time for them. So I want to keep this podcast a safe space for everyone And at the moment, my way of doing that is to keep discussions of pregnancy after loss to specific segments in the podcast. So please don't put anyone else off listening to this podcast episode um, by, I don't know, putting some congratulatory comments or something (laughs) um, in the the comments for the show. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's dive into this segment. So pregnancy after loss it's a roller coaster, isn't it? From the discussions I've had with my guests on this podcast, from what I've read about other people's experiences and my own, there are so many conflicting emotions that go on during pregnancy after loss that it sometimes feel like one person just can't contain them all. And then we have this little matter of a global pandemic to throw into the equation having to go to scans on your own, perhaps even having to give birth on your own, having to go to hospitals and health centres when every part of the media and possibly a good chunk of your own brain is screaming at you to stay away, having virtual appointments with midwives and consultants rather than face-to-face conversations, not to mention the thought of social isolation after giving birth, changes to postnatal care and social networks, And these are just some of the anxieties all pregnant women are facing right now. And many of these worries will be even more acute when you know from experience that sometimes the worst does happen. I don't know if this is just me, but I'm finding it really difficult to separate my anxieties and emotions around being pregnant again from some of the general grief and anxiety I talked about earlier in the episode in terms of more I guess, everyday anxieties, and and don't use that in a flippant way, which relate to the pandemic and wider impacts. And I think perhaps it's impossible to separate those and to know, know how much of it is hormones, how much of that grief coming up is really natural, and how much of it's been exacerbated by the current situation. I also find that it's not just me I'm worried about, um... I have a close family member and friends who are much further along in their pregnancies than I am. And if I'm not worried about my baby, I'm worried about theirs. And for those of you who are approaching the end of your pregnancies, that feeling of being so close and yet so far must be really hard, particularly if your previous birth experience was traumatic. Worries about understaffing of maternity departments, not being listened to and not having your concerns acknowledged not having partners present for the usual times before and after birth are really valid concerns and anxieties. And a lady I spoke to on the SANS forum mentioned all of these, but I felt she had a really pragmatic way of thinking about her situation, which I wanted to share with you. My way of looking at it is I've left hospital without my child before, Whatever I have to do this time to come home with my healthy son, that's what I'll do. Nothing else is as important as that to me. So in that way, I think the grief has prepared me a little to not worry about things that aren't so important in the grand scheme of things. It really feels like a lot of things are out of our control right now. And I feel like even if you're a laid back person, normally losing a baby turns you into a bit of a control freak. That said, I also feel that perhaps in some ways I have an advantage over some women who haven't suffered a loss. In a completely practical sense, for one thing, I have a lot more appointments and attention from medical staff, at least so far. It does seem a bit like before you lose a baby, um, everyone's a bit hands off and just lets you get on with things by yourself. Whereas when you've had a previous loss, suddenly everyone wants to do everything for you. And I appreciate that that's not the case for everyone, that care does vary in different parts of the country and that you may be feeling a bit neglected right now. And that can be hard, um, you know, particularly when, well, let's face it, you might have a scan, see your baby's heartbeat, and then an hour later you're worrying if they're there again. But I don't know if this is just me or other people feel like this, I do feel more confident in advocating for myself this time around. Sky was my first pregnancy and like any first time mum, I didn't really know what I was doing or what I was supposed to do and now I do feel a bit better equipped to ask for support or raise concerns around, um, that I might have around my pregnancy or the support I'm getting. So what can we do to look after ourselves, particularly looking after our mental health at this time? Well, here are some things that I'm doing and other mums-to-be are doing to get through their pandemic pregnancies. Trying to focus on what is going right and being grateful for what we have, whether that's being able to sit out in the garden, having our partners at home a bit more, or watching our child play. We all have something to be grateful for. Taking control of what we can, and I think this is really important, particularly when it feels like so many things are out of our control, we can still all eat healthily with, yeah, admittedly, a few comfort treats, <laughs> try and get what exercise we can within the constraints of social distancing or isolation, and do our best to rest up and sleep, baby kicks permitting. And those are all things that we can do to give our baby the best possible chance Those are the things that are in our control and there is a lot that's out of our control and trying to accept that there are some things that we can't take control of, we can't ever have control of, pandemic or not, is perhaps helpful in terms of helping us to deal with those inevitable anxieties and worries. Riding the roller coaster, wow, it is a roller coaster and I think, again, Sorry, my mouth's getting a bit dry after talking for 45 minutes. I think accepting that it is going to be a roller coaster, taking advantage of the ups, and being kind to yourself when you're feeling down can can really help you get through that. Not looking at the news. I know I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but I think it's also really important um, for dealing with pregnancy after loss. And I know that still, if I see an article about a pregnant woman with COVID 19, I I feel I have to click on it. I have to read it. Does it make me feel better? No. But it's one of those addictive cycles. I do feel a lot better on the days I distance myself from the news. And also, I try to remind myself that for every bad news story, there are a thousand good stories that never get told. Making what memories you can. Um, when I was pregnant with Skye we went away in our camper van we had my sister's wedding went climbing hiking you name it we had so many photos of those memories we made when she was in my belly to put in her book just to remember all those experiences we did get with her this time around things feel pretty different um I mean at the moment baby chickpea's bump book is going to consist solely of photos of chocolate brownies muffin and other baked goods <laughs> which is pretty what pretty much all I'm doing apart from working at the moment um but I do think it is important to try I mean it's really hard I think for a lot of people to try and bond with your baby when you suffered a loss before I mean let's face it you spend all the time worrying that You might not get to bring them home. But there is a bit of a choice around that. And I'm definitely trying to choose to be positive, trying to choose to make this pregnancy experience as happy as I can. And, you know, I'll admit I don't manage it every day. Some days are definitely harder than others. But I think trying to make what memories we can and enjoying our pregnancies as much as we can is something that we can do for us and for our babies. I also feel it's really important to talk about your worries, whether that's to your partner, to friends, your midwife or a counsellor. Please don't try to go this alone. And that's equally important if you've recently had a baby and you're struggling post-birth. I mean, let's face it, having a newborn baby is stressful, difficult, you know, perhaps particularly if it's your first baby and you don't know what to expect. And it's even harder at the moment with social isolation, without having, being able to have visitors, your usual sort of postnatal checks, you know, you can't go to postnatal mother and baby sessions. It's it's really hard. And if you're in that situation, um, my heart goes out to you. Um, So please do reach out if you're struggling. It's completely normal and natural. But above all, remember that while pregnancy after loss is tough, so are you. You've been through a lot just to get to this place. And while there may be darkness and fear a lot of days, there's also hope and light. You might also want to check out the Finally Pregnant podcast, um, which talks more about pregnancy after loss or infertility. And there are a couple of recent episodes on there about being pregnant and giving birth during the coronavirus pandemic, which you might find helpful to listen to. And finally, tips if you're currently pregnant and struggling. Well, I think I've covered some of these before, but here are a few more. Think about what you can do that's in your control and take control of that. Except that there will be highs and lows on the roller coaster. And I don't know about anyone else, but half the time I don't know whether my emotions are the result of hormones, grief, general anxiety, or just the person I am underneath all that, although I think perhaps I've forgotten what she's like and who she is. Talk to your midwife about your concerns and don't be afraid to advocate for yourself and your baby. And in particular, don't be afraid if you're feeling like movements have slowed down, you're feeling like there's something wrong. do go in. you know every message that I've heard is that if um, you know if you're feeling like that and you feel that something is wrong, get in touch and go into the hospital to get yourself checked out. Be gentle with yourself and do whatever you find helpful to ease your anxiety. meditation, walks in the fresh air or garden, comfort baking, talking to friends whatever helps you take that time away from normal life to do that. I feel like that's more important um, in this time of social distancing than ever before. And finally, something that I saw, I think, on someone else's post or comment, which I found really helpful. Remember that this is a different pregnancy, different pregnancy, different outcome. Okay, that's wraps up this special episode which has (laughs) gone on for longer than i thought it would i hope that whatever stage of grief or loss you're at whatever position you're in you found something in there that's helpful please do feel free to get in touch and share your own experiences um if you're feeling alone like you've got no one to talk to reach out um or if you've got other tips or things you found useful for managing, dealing with grief, anxiety at this time, please do share those on Instagram, Twitter, comment on the post relating to this podcast so that other people can see those and and perhaps take some comfort from that. So I will be back next week with another regular interview podcast episode. And in the meantime, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself and remember that we will get through this. At some point, this will be over. Thank you for listening to this episode of Footprints on Our Hearts. Please help me break the silence around baby loss by sharing the podcast with your friends and leaving a review on iTunes. You can follow me on Instagram at Footprints on Our Hearts and Twitter at Skies Footprints. For detailed show notes and to support the podcast and help me raise money for Tommies, please visit our website, footprintsonourhearts.com.